Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Ella Blake is a stop-motion animator who is struggling to control her demons after the loss of her overbearing mother. Suddenly alone in the world, she embarks on the creation of a macabre new puppet film, which soon becomes the battleground for her own sanity. The film is called Stop Motion. It's coming out this Friday, February 23rd. It's being released through IFC Films. We're joined today by the co-writer as well as the director, Robert Morgan. Robert, welcome to Film School Radio. Hello. Thank you for having me. Robert, thank you so much for being here. I just love the film for a lot of different reasons. I love stop motion. I love a good horror film, and it certainly fits the bill for both of those criteria. Tell me a little bit about what inspired the film. I mean, the original inspiration was just the thought of, because my background is in stop motion animation as well, and I just thought I have never seen a film, a fictional film where a character is a stop motion animator. I've never seen that as a... Uh, you know, as a as a vocation that people do in a film. So I thought that was the initial thought, you know, to make a film about a character who is a stop motion animator. And I sort of married that idea to a second idea, which was I had been making a short film and I had the sensation as I was making it that I was no longer um, dictating to it what I wanted it to be. It was telling me what it wanted to be which is a sort of fairly common thing that happens when you're in a creative groove. If you're doing a painting or music or writing or whatever, there's a, there's a moment where it starts speaking back to you, which is an exciting thing. In, in my experience, I was working with puppets and the puppets were sort of starting to tell me, no, I don't want to move over there. I want to move over here. And I became very obsessed with it. It became almost a living entity. And uh, so it was that kind of concept of a film that takes on its own life that in a way almost doesn't care what the creator wants anymore. It wants to be whatever it wants to be. Those two ideas that sort of came together for the film. I can easily imagine that to be the case. As any artist would, the more you invest in the work, the more it speaks to you. And, and I, I would imagine that dialogue begins to take place, whether you're an author or whether you're a filmmaker or, or whatever playwright. So that's a fascinating concept, the idea of it. Now it was co-written. You had your co-writer was uh, Robin King. So where did where did that collaboration come in, and what impact did it have on the project? Um, Robin is one of my oldest and best friends. I've known him like most of my life. So that's how he came <laughs> on board. He was a <laughs> he's a good friend of mine. He's a very good writer, and he's got experience in stop motion. He's made stop motion shorts himself. I had been trying to write a treatment of, for this film on my own. And I had the sort of basic ingredients of it, but I wasn't really getting anywhere. I showed one of my rough treatments to Robin and it just for some notes and he gave me feedback on it. And his feedback was so good. I just thought, oh, God, you're totally right. And then I said, well, why don't you come and write it with me? And that's how it started. And then and it that had a huge impact. It really allowed, helped to order, to create an, a flow and an order to the ideas that were quite fragmentary at first and to sort of formulate it into something that was more coherent. Well, and you see it in the final product in that what it was so impressive to me watching the film were the introduction of elements in in a way that is it didn't seem forced at all. It felt like everything that is in the film felt in its own way. I say inevitable. That's not the right word I'm looking for. But it felt like it it furthered the story, but it also it also added to the the horror aspect of it. 
it just there's something seamless about the progression of the story uh, that I can see from what you're describing as part of that, getting that right. I think, well, I think, you know, the words you used, inevitable, I actually think that's quite a good word. I feel like I kind of felt like in the back of our minds, we wanted there to be a, a sort of a feeling of inevitability about where this is heading. You're watching a slow slide towards something that's inevitable. Yeah. Um, People have said to me, we discussed this when we were developing the script that about putting twists or having a big surprise or something in it. And I just sort of felt like surprises and twists are good, but I also really like dread and inevitability in a horror film. I like the fact that you kind of get a feeling of where it's going and it, it just doesn't budge from that. Well, I think great horror films often, not always, but often feel like an they're a nightmare, a, a bad dream and something. Yeah, yeah. And we've all experienced that being yeah, in a yeah. dream that you know something is happening and you can't stop it from happening. And yeah. that's a little leery to talk too much about the plot other than sort of the broad outlines, which I did in the introduction. We have a filmmaker. And by the way, Ella is played by Asseline Franchosi. And just a spectacular performance on so many different levels uh, at a time when we should be absolutely horrified by what we're watching. I never lost sight of her humanity in the film, in the, in the, in the process. That's great to hear because one of the challenges of casting the film was Ella is is in every single scene. She carries the entire scene. And the purpose of that is that you are inside the head of this character, essentially. You're with her all the way through and you go all the way to the end with her. And uh, she's an artist who's going, who's becoming, who loses perspective on what's happening to her. There's There's elements of selfishness and arrogance in the character along with her humanity and along with her fear and all the other things. So it was important that somebody could accommodate all of that without turning you off and especially where it goes without spoiling anything where the character yeah. goes well it's like it was important that you go with her and you sort of understand or you, you like you say she never uses loses her for humanity i think ashling has those qualities brilliantly and could go to all the places that needed to go to without losing that thing the film is i would think you would be okay to say it's a horror film yes. right Do, is that the genre that you would identify that would, okay but it also feels very much like intergenerational trauma is is it is very much a part of the the ether of these relationships and what we're watching we're watching intergenerational trauma tell help me if i'm yes i i think so yes i think those but i think it's it's that but through the lens of ella's creativity so for me it's not so much about ella has been maybe treated in a slightly unfairly by her mother therefore she you know, goes down dark alleyways. To me, it's more about the the treatment of her mother has an effect on her creativity. It suppresses it, and she's angry about that, and it poisons her relationship to her own sense of self and her own creativity. So that when she discovers that creativity, it explodes in ways she can't control, and she becomes obsessed with it in all the wrong ways because she hasn't really been taught how to deal with it. Yeah, it's kind of there in the background, and it definitely influences her trajectory. But through her struggle for creativity, that's really what she, that's what she's learned as well from her mother. Her mother defines herself through her creative achievements and Ella wants to define herself through her creative achievements, regardless of where it goes. She doesn't really have a sense of self outside of that. Yeah, there's that moment in the film in which Ella says, I have an idea. And we watch that play out. Yeah. And, and that sets in motion as much of what you're describing. 
Ella's mom is played by Stella Ganey, and in that role, she has a tremendous impact on Ella and on the story and really leaves quite an impression. Let's talk a little bit about her and her role. Stella is amazing. I mean, she is a quite a well-known uh, British actor. When she walks into a room, you just feel it. It's like she ha- she's one of those people that has that presence, you know. She you just walk into a room and she's just is incredibly charismatic and you, you don't miss it when she walks into a room just because she's just so magnetic. She has that quality I think on on film as well. She's when she's on screen, it's very easy to see how Ella would feel small, you know, in, in the orbit of that person. And also, cinematically, you shot it in such a way that Ella was often diminished in in some of the scenes that we see the two of them together in terms of their, their spatial relationship. Yeah, and it's the way her mother, when Ella claims that she's got an idea of her own, it's, the, it's very deliberate that her mother makes her sit in her seat. She's okay. It's like, she doesn't say it in the film, but she makes Ella sit in, in the seat that she sits in. And they said, OK, I'm going to sit in your seat, the, the small seat. You sit in the big seat. Let's see what you've got. And of course, Ella doesn't have anything, you know, or doesn't know how to articulate it. I'm talking about the cast because they're all impressive. They really, truly are just really solid. And the, the young woman that you use in, in terms of the we'll call the little girl. Tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, Kaolin Springall. Uh, well, George Clooney discovered Kaolin. She was in uh, a film, I believe it was called The Midnight Sky. It was a and he had searched for somebody really special for that film. So I thought, well, Mr. Clooney has done the hard part and <laughs> searched for him, found her. I've got to have a look at her at least. Because I didn't want the girl to be creepy, the creepy little girl. I wanted her to be enthusiastic and cute and fun. Um, smart and smart. And smart and a little bit arrogant. And But she's, and Kaylin was just very in her, when I spoke to her, she just has this quality. I knew you can see it when she's on screen. It's just, she's very sort of adorable, but at the same time, she's quite commanding as well. I thought, I always thought that would be a really nice contrast to the horror that's going on, where you've got this really kind of crazy horror stuff going on, but this really sweet girl orchestrating it. You know, I thought that was a very nice combination. I think Kaylin brings that to it for sure. And she's such a professional. She's so professional, so good. Always knew her lines, was absolutely, you know, I remember once we did a we did a take and I asked Kaylin to do it differently this time. And she said, well, I can do it differently, but you just be aware of the continuity because when you're editing, it will be a bit like different. You know, she's like giving me lessons about like editing and stuff and just be aware of the continuity. Such a pro, like she was amazing. A couple of things before I let you go. First of all, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Robert Morgan. He is the director and co-writer of this wonderful film called uh, Stop Motion, and it is in theaters here in Los Angeles area beginning on February 23rd. The film feels like there's these cinematic references. I kept feeling like there's a kind of a vibe to it that, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's kind of a Kubrickian kind of vibe to to sort of the shining because i i don't know there's something in the in the ether of this film while it's certainly your film but are there influences in your filmmaking it's, it's kind of, yeah i mean it's kind of i mean that's amazing to hear if it's any it, even remotely you know feels like the shining that's kind of amazing i mean i love the shining it's an amazing film i know what you mean the sort of coldness of it and the yeah and the soundtrack the sound design felt yeah very yeah much. yeah the sound definitely yeah I mean, influences are sort of, there's there's loads of things I've seen throughout my life, normally from earlier in my life, that have kind of stuck with me. You know, like there are certain things that just stick. And it's like, I always think of it as like a sieve that experiences go through 
yes. films or music or whatever, and some things get stuck in it. And when you yeah. make something, that stuff kind of comes out, whether it, whether you consciously acknowledge it, and sometimes you do, or whether it's just sort of you don't quite know, but it's definitely in there. I mean, for me, definitely, like for, I would say, like the, the like the paintings of Francis Bacon is probably the, the massive influence on everything I've done. That those paintings, the feeling of them, I feel definitely definitely seeped into stop motion. Um, certain there's a little bit of Peeping Tom in there. There's a little bit of Repulsion. The Roman Polanski film, yeah, yeah. some and maybe the Tenant, another Polanski film which I love. Don't look now, don't look now. Nicholas Rogue. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, that's a great film, not consciously, but it's one of those films that I saw when I was like a when I was in my late teens and early twenties. I just hoovered up every horror film I could, and that's definitely one that stuck with me. Probably some, there's probably some Lynch in there as well. And it's the unseen. It's the un, the things that aren't articulated in the film that are as frightening as the things we're saying. And 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 I I would be remiss if I did not at least comment on the stop motion. Obviously, this is something in your background that it's really accomplished, and it is so effective in in the way that you went about changing changing the textures and changing the look in such a way to really ramp this thing up. And I just want to say congratulations on that part of it, which I think was just spectacular. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's the Francis Bacon influence is the is the is the materials, it's the it's the visceral quality of the puppets. Yeah. You know, the fleshiness of them and the twisted sort of uh shapes of the uh of the figures. Yeah. It's great stuff. Great. I, I just my congratulations to you on stop motion. Again, the film is going to be here in Los Angeles. It's being released through IFC Films. You want to be looking for it. It's on February 23rd, so that's coming right up. So if you're looking for something really special to check out this weekend of the 23rd, be looking for stop motion. And uh, it's been a true honor to have our guest today, the director and co-writer, along with Robin King, this wonderful film, Stop Motion. Robert, thank you so much for spending some time with us on Film School Radio. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.